Hello there, and welcome to the Citizen ATX Podcast. My name is Matt Gillum. With me today in the studio is Stephen Vaughn. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Matthew. And we also have Lauren Ortiz. Hello, Lauren. Hi there. We have been talking through our series, Parables Reimagined, swapping stories, having a good time, talking about what is this Jesus guy talking about? You know, I, I always hate it when people talk like that about, it's like, hey, what's up, Jesus? Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> we are taking these stories that Jesus told and then contemporizing them in a way that makes that, basically brings them into our context. And as you've been listening to the Citizen ATX podcast, you know that we we often talk about this idea of being citizens in this world, but also in a heavenly world as well. And so oftentimes when Jesus told these parables, it was like he was bringing the two into one, mm-hmm. where he takes the... the uh, the illustrations that the, the experiences of the people's lives and then uses them to tell his truth. And so as always, we want, uh, and as we've been doing in the series, we want to talk about the story, unpack it a little bit, um, and then, uh, move on to be able to talk about right, So what would this look like if Jesus were telling it in 2023? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so today we're going to be jumping in on Luke chapter 16. And this is what I would say is one of the harder parables to understand. I, I, when, I, when I first read it, I'm like, I don't know what the heck they're talking about. Like, <laughs> this, this doesn't make a lick of sense. And so, anyway, we'll yeah. see if we can figure it out today. Stephen knows yes. all the answers, so we'll get it. <laughs> well, He's ready to go. All right, so Lauren, go ahead and start reading for us uh, verses 1 through 2 of Luke 16. All right. He also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. All right. So we jump into The Apprentice uh, as of uh, (laughs) AD 1 or whatever. I mean, this guy's getting fired. I mean, it's kind of straight up. You're doing a bad job, man, and you're not going to manage my business accounts anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I mean... Again, thinking about this from the context of the guys in the audience there, you know you know what their response I think would be? Hmm. Oh <laughs> burn. It's like, oh buddy, you're on the street. Yeah. No, so I probably yelled in the microphone just now. <laughs> <laughs> so Stephen, how do, do you see it that same way? Or yeah. Yeah. They're kinda like, you're fired. <laughs> you're fired. I can't I can't do the, the Trumpism. Uh, I can't foyed. I don't know. You're fired. We are the worst. Yeah. All right. Terrible. All right, so you have kind of your context here. This dude is getting thrown out on the street. So now, obviously, like most people will do, now he has to try to figure out a solution to this problem because you got to eat. So, uh, Lauren, go ahead and read us uh, three through seven. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am, I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. All right, so this seems like kind of a kind of bizarre passage to us because most of us don't deal in bartering for goods. I don't, I don't know if, if uh, Lauren, you brought like a 
bushel of potatoes to the church today to purchase some shoes or <laughs> Can't something. Can't say like I that. did that. Yeah, yeah, because we're not Amish. So <laughs> potatoes, that's the first thing you came to? Hey, potatoes are acceptable currency. <laughs> and why right? shoes are, for me, okay? I don't know. Yeah, what if on. I wanted coffee? Well, I mean, I was going to say Taco Bell, but I don't think you'd be going to Taco Bell with potatoes because you could just bake those babies. You got Taco Bell. But okay, so in the, yeah, in this, you have this guy who's a manager. He manages the accounts of this rich guy. And this rich guy um, is owed, has people that owe stuff to him. And he, and the, I mean, what, what do you think is going, what do we see is going through this guy's mind when he's considering what's being done to him? What, what is he risking right now, Stephen? Uh, his reputation. Yeah. Cause I mean, if, if this is in real life now, this guy's looking at his resume and he's going to have to start yeah. explaining to people, why was I fired? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we see pretty clearly why, cause he's not good at what he does. <laughs> He's being fired for cause here. He he just, you know, it, it's not like he had a series of bad circumstances. He just says, you're not doing a good job, so turn it in. You're done. Mm. So, I mean, he has a little bit of risk here of uh, how am I going to have a livelihood after this? But, you know, as, as part of that, so now he has to think. I think it's interesting, too, like there in verse 3 where he says that I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. Lauren, why do you think he brings that up? Like, what? What is he gonna gonna go dig a hole or <laughs> just another another trade maybe like yeah. another another form of work? I mm-hmm. think that he's just he's just trying to like scramble and kind of mm-hmm. cover his 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 tracks mm-hmm. of of not performing well. Yeah. Um. And so I think that he's just trying to figure out like he's just trying to brainstorm out loud like yeah. what could I possibly do? Maybe he's he's looking at other people and mm-hmm. friends or family and what mm-hmm. they do for a living yeah. and and trying to see like oh, I don't think I can do any of this. Well, and I think part of, yeah I think part of it is I don't have the ability to do. I'm strong mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. But I mean also he says I but I, I have too much pride to go and beg right and okay. do anything for love but I won't do that kind of kind of get don't want to take a demotion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like uh, you know I I won't do anything less than eighty thousand a year right yeah <laughs> but i mean it, it so when we're looking at this guy the, the the manager is kind of the main main guy in the character in the story um humility is not his best trait right mm-hmm. um he's already he already was dishonest which it, you know it says that he was wasting he wasn't good at his job he was dishonest so it's like okay so what what am what am i gonna do so he comes up with a plot Right, a caper mm-hmm. one might say you know a plan <laughs> i love that plan term. of attack i love that term caper um so Lauren, what does he do here? Like, how does he, how does, he, what does his plan consist of? Um, to summon his master's debtors um, and kind of basically like ask, how, you know, how much do you owe? And then he writes on a number different than what they say. Yeah. So uh, I guess this is where I get confused uh, in the whole same. thing. Because it's like, all right, so you, you have a trouble, you have trouble that you've mismanaged your accounts. So you're, solution is to go mismanage it harder <laughs> yeah I, that's literally where i'm at it's like what? you you were fired for a reason that you weren't very good at what you did and so you're doing it worse on purpose it's like is this a joke is it is it revenge like what what, is, what, what Stephen? what are we thinking what do we think is happening here I don't know. I mean, I guess he's trying to butter up the opposition. I don't know what he's ah. trying to do. Or is he trying to get money for himself so that way he's set up yeah. after he loses his job? Well, but he's not getting any money out of this because this is yeah. stuff that's owed to oh, his yeah, master, yeah, yeah. right? Sorry, but no, I, I think I think that, that I like that term "butter up," yeah. right? That, I mean, that, that really that is exactly what's happening here. Because like I, I did, I you know, I just happened to do a little background research before I got on here. <laughs> oh, I fooled you guys. <laughs> but no, it, it, what what would happen when you had dishonest managers in that time frame? is there would be people who would owe things to their
their master. Um, but when they would, when the manager would write out the bill of what they would owe, they would inflate it, right? <laughs> so you owe you owe fifty. Let's just let's just round that up to an even seventy, right? And so the idea being, I'm I'm going to pay my master what he's owed, but I'm going to cook the books a little bit, and I'm going to keep a little little something for me, you know, mm-hmm. one for you, one for me. It's it's all fair, you know. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, nobody's getting hurt in this. <laughs> so the guy is dishonest, uh, but he realized, okay. My, this is going to look really bad on my resume that I just got fired because I'm stupid and I'm not good at what I do. So what can I do in order to fix my resume? And it's like, how about I make it look like I'm giving a bargain to somebody when I'm mm-hmm. really not? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Lauren, that, that you were telling me a story before this that you kind of uh, kind of reminded you, and I think gives us a really good. Because I mean, most of us are not farmers. Most of us don't barter. But like, what what is a a common illustration that might help us to understand the story a little better? All right, so let me set it up this way. I purchased a car in August of 2021, which was apparently the worst time to buy cars. <laughs> it's when prices were inflated for all the car parts mm-hmm. and things like that. I don't know all the ins and outs, but um, I found out from my fiance that it was it was not a good deal, even though I thought <laughs> it was a great deal, okay? So here we go. I walk into a dealership and I'm like, okay, this is the car that I know that I want. I knew how much work... I needed to get done on, on my old car. And I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I might as well get something, get something newer used. Um, and I remember seeing this beautiful forerunner and I was like, man, it's got new tires. Like it's got low mileage. It's only had one owner. I mean, it's got beautiful interior. I was like, yeah, it looked really, really good on the outside. Right. And then I went ahead and I purchased it. I'm like, okay, this looks like a great deal. And I love negotiation just so everyone knows i love car negotiation okay and this was my failure so (laughs) (laughs) it it really really was and about a month later i i had like a notification light on saying that it needed maintenance and Mm -hmm. so i took it in and they said lauren all four of your tires have dry rot (laughs) and i was like first of all, I don't even know what that is. And they, mm-hmm. they explained it and, um, said that those tires that I, that I had purchased that were on the car were six years old and they looked brand new, you guys. <laughs> so if, if I've learned anything out of this, it's check your date on your tires. Each tire has a date. Um, I learned, you know, I, I learned lessons the hard way and that's just how it works. But, um, it looked really good on the outside and, um, it, it was, it was rotting on the inside. So it was, it was a moment where this, this specific dealership made the car look really good and it had actual internal issues. That's so. hilarious. Well, I, th- I think like in the con, in the context of this story, it sounds like you were one of the, uh, creditors here where, yep. you know, they, they, you thought you were getting a great deal because you negotiated him down when really he was already way over inflated for what he was trying to sell you right yeah, yeah. i identify with a lot of characters in my story right now <laughs> rage pure rage but yeah i mean i think i think a used car salesman's a pretty good no 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 offense to any used car salesman listening to this podcast but generally the connotation that used car salesmen get is of the of guys who make it make you feel like you're getting a great deal when really you're not. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll take it up a level for like, what my, for like if we're taking our experiences and applying to the story, mm-hmm. this reminds me of cable salesmen, right? When Ooh. you, when you call, so here, here's a little fun fact to you listeners on, on here, you know, 
there's going to be an advertised price of what you have to pay for cable or internet or whatever. Uh -huh. You don't ever have to pay that. You go and you find yep. the cheapest one that they are advertising or what their competitor is advertising, and then you tell them, this is what they're doing. Give me the, the give me this offer. I'm going to go to your competitor. <laughs> Works like 95% of the time. Oh that, because there is no set. Their, their goal is to sell you something, not for you to, to pay the actual worth of whatever it is they're trying to sell. Wow. So... I don't know I've never why. done that. Wow. Yeah. See, there you go. Negotiate, right? <laughs> so in this case, this dishonest manager is like a cable guy who is saying, hey, you know, really, you should be paying 90, but I'm, I'm going to give it to you for 45. Mm -hmm. When really, you think, oh, that guy's great. Look at that. He sold me the, the cable for it. It's like, no, it was worth $45. <laughs> He's just yep. doing what he was supposed to do in the mm -hmm. first place. Mm -hmm. And ironically, in this situation, the, the dishonest manager, when he is being fired and trying to figure out his parachute, does his job better than he did when he actually had the job. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so. That's amazing. All right, so let's, let's see what, then what the master's response is to this. This is uh, verse eight, verses 8 through 13. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been found faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. All right. So I think one of the things that often throws people in this is verse 8, where it's where the with this guy who's terrible at his job and then cheats people to be able to get out, to be able to fix his resume, winds up getting praised by his manager, mm. you know, his supplier. Yeah. Um, and so why, why then does Jesus put this guy in a positive light here? I mean, what, what's going on? What, what is going on here, Stephen? Like, why, I mean, why would we, why is this in the Bible? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So guys, you should go oh. cheat on your taxes and, you know, steal cars. <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. So, so Stephen, what, what, what are we looking at here? I guess just uh, an example of having some cunning uh -huh. and thinking outside the box and, and maybe trying to Make make light out of a bad situation. Even. Well, yeah, I definitely think that this definitely gives us a picture of strategy in our faith, right? Because I mean, the guy the guy says, "Hey, you know, you were smart in what you did. You demonstrated using your brain when it comes to your practice, right?" Mm -hmm. And Christians a lot of times get taken advantage of for no really good reason because they because they they're trying to be nice guys, right? Mm -hmm. They're right. not they're or, or they're not really using their minds on what they're doing. And I do think part of that is there, but then you also have kind of a the the real uh, haymaker punch that he gives in the, the context of this when he's talking about the thing that's being abused here, which is money. And so I mean, Lauren, why why do you think what, what do you think about what is the view of money as the the Jesus is telling this story? Truthfully, I'm struggling with it. Um, <laughs> like it's, it's, this is complex. And I think I'm reading it in a, in a very different way than I have before. I think I've kind of just read over this and, and there are certain sections that are before this and after this that really I've, I've camped out for a long time in one mm -hmm. of them we've covered a couple of weeks ago, but I'm tr truthfully, I'm, I'm struggling. I, I, I know that money is a stewardship from God. Um, and, but I, I'm struggling where he says in verse nine, and I tell you, make friends 
for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Can you help me with that? Well, I think really what Jesus is doing here, and he kind of he clears it at the end when he says you cannot serve both God and money. Um, in in the, the context of the, of the story, you know, the idea would be, well, get as much money as you can, right? So if, if we were looking at this dishonest manager and if he was really in love with money and gaining it for himself, he would have gone ahead and um, ripped off the creditors, still taken what clearly the guy owed by the bill mm-hmm. and taken it for himself to to give him his parachute for later. It's like, well, if I can have tw- tw- if I can get 10 bucks out of this because I charge 20 bucks, then that's good. I have that much money. But what this guy realized is I can, I can walk away with the money and feel better about myself from that, but I'm not going to have the relationships there that will help me continue to survive and thrive beyond this job. Mm. And so when Jesus talks about this, he's like, don't, when you look at your relationship to money in the world, who are you really serving here? Um, you know, because when you die, you don't get to take it with you. Right. What are you using it for? Uh, because what in verse fourteen, which we, uh, Lauren, go ahead and read that, because I think we always talk about who's the audience here, who's who's actually listening to this. Yeah. So it says the Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things and they ridiculed him. And so the people who are listening to this story recognize this is stupid. Like I, I don't, I love money. Money's great. Why would you not like money? Like you can do great things with it. You, do you know you can buy tacos with money? <laughs> like you, you can take five yes. bucks, this little uh, slip of paper and make it into food. It can be ice cream if you want it yeah. to be. I mean, <laughs> mo- I'm sorry. We're talking about basic economics. <laughs> money can be used for goods and services. Um, the, But what Jesus is saying here, you know, the world tells us, the kingdom we live in tells us, whoever dies with the most money wins. Mm-hmm. We live in a monopoly world where you own more stuff, you edge out everybody else, you gain it all for yourself, and that's how you win life. Jesus is saying, look, <laughs> by serving money and your own wealth and the, and the things that you have, you are missing the point. Mm. Like in the... In the it, in this story, the reason the guy is praised is because he understood that in life, the more important thing for him was to create a future for himself and to to please the right people. It didn't matter about him pleasing himself, and it didn't matter about him pleasing the guy who was firing him. It mattered that he was pleasing the people who could help him in the future. Mm. When Jesus is talking about the way that they're using money, it's not about pleasing ourselves or pleasing the people around us on earth, but to please God with what we do with our money, mm. because he's the one that will receive us into eternal dwellings. It's a, it's a statement that, you know, you don't own what you have. And that, that's part of why it talks about there in verse 10, where it says, one who's faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and he who's dishonest in very little is very dishonest and much you know by the things that we do in this life with the small potatoes that we to pull potatoes in again on, <laughs> on one podcast that's twice that i've used potatoes in this um to 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 be trusted in something small we can know that that same person can be trusted in something larger mm-hmm. and when we talk about things that we do in this world where we're not in eternity yet we're, we're we have not passed on beyond this physical life we're given these these small things to steward we're given relationships we're given talents we're given we're given money mm-hmm. and the question is if in this life when you've been given small responsibility in the the grand scheme of things if you're dishonest with it now, why would you be dishonest with it? Or why would you be honest with eternity? If you're honest with it now, why wouldn't you be honest with it in eternity? Because you're not loving the the gift, you're loving the giver. 
Um, and so I, that's where I see this story going because you had this group of people, these Pharisees, which if you listen to our last podcast, are the religious leaders, the the people that everybody looks up to, the role models, the goody two shoes or whatever. But they were showing that they they loved money, they that they that that was what they was their driving motivation. Um, and oftentimes in our faith, I think we fall into the same the same problem. I mean, this is this is dealt with elsewhere in the Bible, like in, especially in the book of James, where it talks about how one of the worst things we can do is show favoritism to people who have more money than mm-hmm. others. Um, you know, it, I guess if we're boiling it down into a, 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 a statement, um, it's not about how much money you have. I think yeah. in a simple statement of what that speaks to yeah. our world. Um, and when you look, when you look at the experience of, of people who've had money, it, it, I mean, it goes away, you know, uh, it's one thing to win the lottery. It's another to invest wisely. Mm-hmm. Um, money that's invested wisely builds and grows and multiplies. Money that's won by a lottery will, if not well applied, is just going to go away. Um, yeah. And so G- what Jesus is doing, and Jesus talks a lot about money. I mean, it's, it's something he, he understands that, again, we're talking about the experiences of the people who are listening. He understands this is important to you. Your paycheck is important to you. But is it important to you for the right reasons? Um, yeah. Are you using it to serve yourself? Or are you using it to serve those who really can make a difference in your life yeah. and in your existence longer term? So yeah. how do you like, how, how do you not fall? Because the, the world that we live in today, and I mean, you can order something on Amazon and have it to you by tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, just the amount of, I guess just the amount that we are immersed by shopping and by buying materialistic things. And just like you see an ad on YouTube by your favorite influencer or whatever. And you're like, Oh, I have to have that. Mm -hmm. So like how as Christians are we supposed to look different because it's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, well they have this, or you have to have an outfit for this. Or like Mm -hmm. you have like, or you got to look good on Sunday mornings. Like how do you not fall into that pit of, wise investments versus like, okay, there is a little bit of freedom to buy these things. Mm-hmm. Um, where is the line? Well, it's, uh, you know, I see it as being, the question is not what, but why, mm. right? Okay. What are you going to use it for? You know, um, I always thought it was funny when I was in college, I lived in Europe for six months. And did you know that in many places in Europe, you have to have a license to own a baseball bat? No. Because they, <laughs> ask, <laughs> because they ask that question, why do you want a baseball bat? Well, in, in that culture, soccer hooligans love to take baseball bats and bash other people's heads in with it. So it's a weapon. Oh, wow. So it's like a licensed weapon there. Mm. In, in the United States, you buy a baseball bat, they're like, oh, you're going to go play softball, right? Yeah. That's, that's the why, right? Not, yeah. to, not to go bash another soccer fan's head. Um, that, hey, that's, that's wow. Matt's random and useless <laughs> fact for the day. But no, when it comes to stuff, I mean, because this is directly addressing that, that stuff is stuff. Right, and when we look at the way the world that God's given us, and we look even in the Genesis account of creation, you know, man's relationship to the stuff of the world is to be enjoyed and stewarded. It's not. It's not supposed to be completely encapsulated and left alone to do what it's supposed to be used by humanity. Now, not to be abused by humanity, because I mean, God gave us nature and the world to have to to be fruitful and multiply. But if you've ever had like a deer problem in your neighborhood, I don't know, in Austin, it's one of the problems that, that's out there. Mm-hmm. People will feed, and I, I got, you know, just a, just a warning, I really hate deer. Like, <laughs> I, th- I think they're stupid, and I think they're overgrown they're rats. Wow. They're horrible. They're horrible. <laughs> wow. But so, but, in, but here's why. In, 
in some of these neighborhoods, people will feed deer in the neighborhoods mm-hmm. in the town. And deer are big and they're stupid and they have really strong hooves and antlers. And so they don't have any natural predators in this area. Mm. So if you don't kill, yeah. or if there's not a culling that happens of the deer population ever so often, you're going to have a bit, it becomes a pest problem, mm. right? It, it overwhelms what it, what's going on. Uh, it's an example of some God, this is going to sound bad. God created deer to be shot and eaten. I mean, it, it's, it, you know, Sorry, Bambi yeah. lovers. I mean, it, it's cruel-ish. It's not really cruel. It's it's part of what their their purpose yeah. is, right? Um, mm-hmm. God, we, we talked about a little bit about this last time when we were talking about the idea of being justified. Um, God doesn't create us to feel to be ashamed before Him, and and oftentimes when, when we look at this idea about money, we 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 take it to make well, money is evil. That Jesus doesn't ever say that. In, in fact, uh, elsewhere in the New Testament, it, what it says is the love of money yeah. is the root of all yep. evil. That's right. Yeah. Were you looking for that earlier, Stephen? Yeah. <laughs> so I just found it. What's the citation, <laughs> Stephen? First Timothy 6.10. Exactly. Yeah. See, I knew that. I, I totally didn't forget the citation on that. <laughs> Paul, Paul's wise words. Paul, yeah. There's a lot of verses that are quotable. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that, that, that's the thing. Like, mo- when we look at money, it is an amoral thing. It is not good or evil. It is right. a thing. And anything that we love more than God becomes evil. Mm-hmm. Or really, realistically, our love of that thing becomes evil. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to the stuff that we have in the world, when we start to love the stuff, and when we start to love ourselves because of the stuff that we have more than the God who created it gave it to us, mm-hmm. then yep. we fall into this situation wh- where we are we are mismanaging what God's given us. Mm-hmm. And this, in the context of this, the guy mismanaged everything and he realized i have screwed up but i've got to fix this with the people who matter and so then he goes mm. and fixes it with the people that matter so that afterward he can be received into it and so right. ultimately when jesus is saying this is like get right with the right people mm. and you know and you know we talk we talk a lot in this podcast about the role of social media and about the comparison game and things like that you know again don't we probably need to ask less questions about the what, more about the why. Yeah. Why, why are we doing the posts that we're doing? Why mm-hmm. am I buying the thing that I'm buying? Am I buying a tool or am I buying a status symbol? Um, I often get after people, and again, I'm offending everybody today. So let's just keep keep this ball rolling. Wow. I'm not okay. a fan. I'm not a fan of Starbucks. All right, I think I think oh, it's no. I think I think it's bad coffee. I think it, I, I've said it. I think it's bad coffee. Yeah, but we're, we live in Austin. We have good coffee. So yeah, it's different. Yeah, there are other coffee shops to be able to go to. And if you if you are in need of caffeine and you need it fast, Starbucks, I guess, is acceptable. Mm-hmm. If you don't have another mom and pop business that's willing to fire up some coffee for you. Um, <sighs> I sound like a million years old. Uh, <laughs> fry up some coffee for you. For context, the perco- he's not. The percolator. Um, but what, what um, the, the reason why I believe Starbucks got so popular, people love caffeine for one thing, because that's great, mm-hmm. but it's a status symbol. You are carrying around something that helps you feel more confident because, hey, I purchased this thing. I'm in with a good crowd. Mm-hmm. I may not love the way this tastes because Pike's Place coffee tastes like hot garbage. <laughs> I disagree. Come at me, bro. Keep going. <laughs> but it's but the 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 thing is, then you can say, well, I drank Starbucks earlier, and so now 
because of the social status symbol of it, it's raised in the esteem. Now, I guess it could also be argued that my hoity-toity coffee does the same thing, but we're not gonna oh, we're not gonna sad. talk about the beam yeah. in my own eye. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally have a star. This is not sponsored, but I have a Starbucks bag in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it. I mean, it. We 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 have to question stuff of whether is am I using this thing as a tool? Am I stewarding it right, or am I using it as a status symbol to right. draw to draw worship and appreciation to myself Mm -hmm. love of money is the root of all evil yes because love of money ultimately is love of self what how do i how do i serve myself how do i think more about myself how do i build myself up more yeah um and so when jesus says this he's saying it to the disciples but he's also the pharisees are watching he's like hey i got something for you over here (laughs) i got, got a little something for you i mean it's it's you know he's real. He's being realistic. It's like, and Jesus in these parables was challenging what people expected. And again, I don't know if it was in this podcast. Or, I, yeah, yeah, it was. It was at the beginning of this one. I think again, the the listener would be like, "Oh, burn!" <laughs> yeah. You know. I mean, it, it, I, I think Jesus said these things because he wanted people to stop and think mm-hmm. about what they're doing. And I mean, when we look at our lives, we fall. Don't we fall into that same trap? Like, yeah. Uh, I mean. There's a quote by Thoreau, and I'm going to misquote it, but he said it's it's amazing how insensibly we fall into a rut mm. um, and how easily we do. And he was talking about in the context of that he had a uh, he was living in a cabin out in the wild, and he, he was um, he was marvelled about the fact that after a couple of days he had already created a path to the lake by walking the same way each day. He didn't wow. mean to; he just did, mm. and, and then he, he kind of pulled that to a greater level of. But we always do that. Yeah. I mean, we, we do things without thinking about it. We just pick up pick a lane and go for it. And what Jesus understood is that the love of money is one of those things. It's just it's something that we do. It's a path that we make. And we have to, in order to escape that cycle of just needing more and more and more and loving a master that will enslave us, he says, hey, you've got to stop and pull yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you have to be able to not in comparison of your love to one, hate the other. Yeah. And so in the context of money, if it comes down to who are you going to choose, God or money, you got to love God so much that it feels like you hate money. Mm. Do you really hate the dollar bill? Are you burning burning dollars or giving away all your money just because? No, that, that's not what it's being asked here. It says use it right. Yeah. Do Use this thing for what it was created for, which is honoring and worshiping God. Whatever your hand finds to do, work at it with all your heart. I was working for the Lord, not for men. Yep. And so, I mean, that's how I see the story rolling out, is that this used car salesman understands it's more important for me to make the sale than it is to make a profit on it, mm-hmm. because I know that the people that I'm selling this to might be able to give me a job in the future. Um, when I was rewriting the story myself, I thought about it as a person who works at Tesla, or, or not Tesla, at another dealership is trying to buy a car, and he says, hey, I can get into that. That, that, that person's an influential person. Maybe if I make them think better about me, I can get in there. Mm. It's, it's priorities. And, mm. I, and I think Jesus understood that about us. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, with that, that's kind of what I've got for the story. I mean, any other observations that y'all have or, you know, things that you think Jesus is saying through it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, going off kind of what you were saying, a good thing to do is maybe just have some quiet time you know, in your mornings and, and as you're looking at your bank account or sitting maybe with your spouse. <laughs> Definitely know, with your spouse. Definitely if with your spouse yeah. if you're married. Yeah. Uh, you know, planning out your life and planning out how are you going to use your money. That make some time to pray to God and say, mm-hmm. you know, 
show me how to use this. Mm-hmm. What do I need to do? Where's the big opportunity in front of me that I could, you know, potentially invest in that might mm-hmm. help somebody or yeah. might flourish into something big. Yeah. And I think there's a really, you bring up a good point there and I, I've never thought about this, but what if devotionally you pull like every, every now and then you pull out your bank statement when you're doing your, your morning devotion, because you know, yeah. the, the proverb is show me your bank account. I'll show you where your heart is or where your treasure is there. Your heart is also, yeah. um, there's no, there's no quicker way to get to the bottom of what of what you care about than when you what you see, in your, see yeah. your money on, yeah. and that's one of the reasons why it is concerning when you see that people we t- we talk about giving a lot at church, right? Um, and one of the things that we we try to make clear is that look, you know, it's not really about the amount that you give if, to the church or to these other charities. Right. It's do you give mm-hmm. at all? Right. I mean, what does that say about your trust in God that you're not willing to give what? give back to him what's already his. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when we love money, it's foolishness to give, just give away your money. Like, yeah. it's crazy. I mean, the fact that Christians give just off the top 10% of what they earn, that's nuts. Like, nobody does that, right? I mean, if people are generally doing that, they're putting it in their retirement or they're investing yeah. it or something like because it's going to benefit them in the future. You know, one of the things that Jesus says is, you know, if you love, if you love me, give knowing that I'm going to take care of you. Yeah, you know, and it, I, and as a pastor, I generally tell people tithing is a good, which means giving ten percent of your income is a is a great practice of humility yeah. and faith because <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, I, m- I remember early on when I was uh, in seminary, I worked at a bookstore for essentially uh, minimum wage, <laughs> and I'm like, oh geez, this is not good. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, am I going to be able to afford rent this month? But you know, I did it. And it was amazing how God came through for me over and over and over again that when I had a small salary, it still hurt to give that just as much as it hurts when you have more. And again, if you're if you're dishonest with little, you're going to be dishonest with a lot. If you don't give when you don't have anything, you're not going to give anything when you have a lot because it's not about the giving. It's about your heart. Um, and so, I mean, that that's one of the things I think that stabs at us in this is that giving is is not a... a not in a, just as much as that practical sense of, well, how much can I give is, am I giving? And why do I give what I give? Um, and then the other point that you made that I think is absolutely correct is, are you earning money in such a way as to be able to be generous, hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of times when, when you have a, a healthy financial um, standpoint and, 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 you know, your finances are good, it gives you the freedom that when someone has need, you can give to it. Yeah. And you don't have to be afraid that you're not going to, you're going to miss your next meal. That's right. It's, it's extremely freeing in that way. And you get to participate in the joy of what real generosity is. Right. Um, does that make it mean it's going to be easier to give at any point? No, it's never easy to give. No. Never. Um, you know, there, there, there have been times in my life where, um, where yeah, where I've given even when it seemed ludicrous. I, I'll I'll throw this out there, and I'm not trying to brag on this. I just need illustrations, right? I mean, when I was in Poland again, going back to Europe, there I, one day in the street, I met a lady who didn't who was trying to find someone who spoke English, right? Because nobody spoke English in the city. Uh, come to find out, she was a refugee from Bosnia, and she's like, "Hey, I just I need groceries. I need." You know, and, and do you ha- and, and and also she asked, "Do you have a Bible?" Like, I mean, is it is there you know? I, I need help. I have my kids are in a shelter and all that, and so I said, "Okay, fine. I will come back. I'll, I'll, I'm going to go bring. I'm going to go buy groceries, and I will come back at this time on this day, and I'll give them to you." You know, and I'm a pretty jaded person. Generally, I thought, "Oh, this person's just going to take 
take they all they want is money, so they're mm-hmm. they're not going to care. Mm-hmm. I can't. When I came back at that date and time, she was there. She took the she took the Bible. She took the groceries, and then I never saw her again. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I was looking at that, it's like I just kind of feel foolish doing this a little bit. It's like I'm what am I doing? I'm going and giving groceries to a complete stranger. But because I trusted that God wanted me to to give and have a generous heart, I had the opportunity to serve that person. And I think that's ultimately what we need to do. What we need to look at it as is generosity is an opportunity to participate in God's mission and reaching Mm -hmm. those and helping those who who need it. So, yeah. And I'd also add on that, you know, it's part of it's trusting that God will provide those opportunities as well. And uh, there's an old man that was a good mentor to me back in my hometown Mm -hmm. who he would regularly, he was on big on the whole Dave Ramsey thing. So he had all the envelopes and everything and he uh, would regularly keep an extra one that was just said to give and Mm. he would put $3,000 in it every month. Wow. Mm. And he just prayed for God to show him something every month to Mm -hmm. give that to. Mm. Um, And it was crazy. Sometimes that would just come out of nowhere and it'd be higher than that amount Mm -hmm. that's in there. And he would say, okay, well, here we go. Just start shoving it out there. Mm -hmm. He would help that that opportunity, and it just kind of, um, I guess for me as a young kid, mm-hmm. looking at that and, and seeing it, it was a great role model mm-hmm. for me to see somebody being a good steward of their own money, right? Um, and the the power that money can have mm-hmm. when it is used um, for God's will, right? Absolutely, so. and a, and a joy that he gets to experience that you know when we when we if we're if we're serving money. That it's not you're not we're not going to get that experience right. right. God created us to be generous for sure. Yeah, and like the the deer analogy that you that you gave, if it if it if it continues to grow, it will become a pest, and and mm-hmm. that's what not only sin does in our life if sin continues to grow, but also mm-hmm. like mismanaging those things. Yeah, it, it mismanaging finances and not having the right accountability and not mm-hmm. having you know a financial plan and things like that, it mm-hmm. becomes a pest for you later down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you don't have the freedom to do the things that you actually want to do and the mm-hmm. things that God calls you to do. Yeah. Um, because it has become a pest and it has become a chain. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, absolutely. And we're we're not created to to be creatures of shame. And and you know, honestly, sometimes people look at the Bible and say, "Well, debt's evil all the time." The reason why the Bible says that debt is evil is because of what it makes you do, and and the kind of anxiety and fear and who you're serving. That when we take on a tremendous amount of debt, we 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 literally in debt ourselves to whoever we have to pay mm-hmm. off. And God's in- intention is is for us not to to live that way. I mean, Jesus talks about um, don't worry about the things that you eat or the clothes that you wear, um, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. And so, you know, with that, we this parable calls us to have a right view of money, of of spending, um, and worshiping the one who really is worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, friends, don't. Don't mark up cars without reason, okay? Like, let's <laughs> check the date on your tires, date, everybody. Date Google tires. it. Wow. You, you can figure it out. <laughs> Ride a bike to work. Friends. Oh my gosh. All right, that's all we've got for today. Thank you for joining us for this uh, episode of Citizen ATX. Take care. And on behalf of Lauren and Steven, we look forward to seeing you next time on the Citizen ATX podcast. <laughs>